Blog Talk Radio. On today's Mama Levitt show, we're going to talk about having dinner with mannequins and how the Kowloon might soon be a place to travel back in time. We're also going to talk about what's not being taught in school, but probably should be. We'll wrap it up with an idiom and a dad joke or two. Today's Mama Levitt show is brought to you by Shower Patch Kids, the hottest body wash for that fresh quarantine smell. Let's go. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Hey, good morning, everybody. It is Friday, May 15th, 2020. It's the Mama Levitt Show with everyone else. Season 1, episode 23. Uh, It's May 15th. It's week 9, school day number 40, and overall day 64 of Coronacation. Just a reminder to everybody that all your work is due today. And we're here with Mama Levitt and Miss Mara. Morning, Mama Levitt. Good morning. How is everyone? Glad your technology is working. Yeah, it's good today. <laughs> We've been having <laughs> that's been our morning ritual. Hi, Mrs. Lovett. Mrs. Lovett, you there? <laughs> Mama Lovett, are you on mute? Like five minutes straight, and then it. <laughs> <laughs> and you went on that's the worst. A five-minute rant, and then you realized no one. I did that. Um, when I first started recording the audio files for Refugee, I think I, I I did it for like 10 minutes, and I realized that I didn't actually press record. It wasn't recording at all. So I'd go back and oh, do it again. that's awful. Miss <laughs> Mara, what's up with you today? Nothing much. Happy Friday. Just enjoying enjoying the day. Sleeping in, as usual. Yeah, happy, <laughs> happy Friday. I love – we're getting up at like – at like eight o'clock, to get up at eight o'clock, and eight o'clock sound feels like getting up so early. It's like we're on a college schedule again. You know, like in college, <laughs> I had like, had like an eight o'clock class, and it was like just dreading. Like I can't. It, it felt like it was like the middle of the night you know, if you got up. Uh, quick yeah, but out. during the school year, I get up at four forty-five, so it's yeah. like this. Even sleeping till seven is just great. Isn't that crazy how it's like that? How how it's all like relative, you know? If you I love sleeping until seven. If you used to getting up at four forty-five, mm-hmm. yeah, I do like getting up early, not like ridiculously early. My father gets up at like four in the morning, which is just completely insane. Which is ironic because like mm-hmm. my mom, like she doesn't go to bed until like twelve or one in the morning. So, <laughs> and then my dad, so my mom is a night owl. She'll go to bed at like one in the morning. My dad will like be up like three hours later and up walking the dogs and going for a run and stuff like that. Uh, quick shout out, love it. Maybe uh, you can agree with me on this one if you want. Um, 
We had, we had a ton of people on our Zoom yesterday. Oh, my that God, we good. did. It was the biggest one. It was nice, and it, it's fun, and it, I hope people realize that it's, it's more fun when, like, you guys are engaged, like meeting the students, you know. It's more fun when you guys come on, because we, we want to see you. You know, we want to see you. We want to hear from you. Some people like to come on and just listen, which is, which is fine. That's what I would have done when I was in eighth grade. I would have just come on and, and just listened. But the more people, the merrier and the more fun it is. And it was good. We, had, we were on for like an hour, and the hour went by like really fast because we had about, we, I think we had 15 people total. Yeah, and we, and we, and we showed them how like, how like online classroom on Zoom is going to work. Like we got to show them how, we're, how we can teach and do the same thing we do in the classroom with like our, our PowerPoints or whiteboards or your yeah. story being able to read it like like how I think Miss Mara it must be something what you do is you put the book up on screen on one side and read it out loud and like mm-hmm. it's not just checking in like hi how are you there, we're actually like and we kind of showed them like different places on it too like how to raise their hand and things like that yeah I think it's so important that our students, like, and us too, like, we all, we're going to have to learn how to do those things because, like, we always talk about that's going to be, that's in our future now. You know, we mm-hmm. have, so I think a lot of students are still in denial that this is something that, I mean, I, I hate the phrase. I know you hate it too, Miss Mara, the new normal. I hate that phrase. But I've heard that one. I hate that phrase too. Yeah. I, I, I think I, it's I, a, just, it, it triggers me whenever I hear that phrase, the new normal. I don't want to use that phrase, but that's kind of the idea I'm getting at. Like the, this sort of dis, like it's not this, the distance learning thing is not just going to go away. Like we're not just going to go back to school right. in September and everything's going to be back to the way it was. It's I mean some things will, but a lot of things won't. So something to get. Is it, you bet we're, we're all better off getting used to it. I mean, Mr. Jaffe talked the other day about how he's learning all these new technology skills, and I am too. You know, like I'm. I'm learning all my audio files, and I did a I did a couple recordings yesterday on Screen Testify for the next chapters of Refugee. So next week, or probably on Sunday in a couple of days, when I post the next readings for Refugee, you'll be able to read the story and listen at the same time. So it's I think it's going to work out pretty well, and I think it's going to be a good resource to have whether we're doing distance learning or not. Um, we got one birthday to announce today. So let's go to our perfect song. Happy birthday to Justin D. Justin D is going to be 15 years old tomorrow on May 16th. Happy birthday, Justin D. Yay, happy birthday. Happy birthday. All right, happy birthday, Justin. Tomorrow, May 16th. We've got a few more May birthdays coming up as we go along. Let's talk about a couple of headlines.
All right, starting off, Miss um, Mary, do you want to talk? You talk a little bit about the article you found about the the highly rated restaurant. I think it was. What was it? <laughs> uh, I was. I kept saying it was a highly rated restaurant, but high, yeah, like a highly. Talk about, right. talk about new normal. <laughs> yeah, so this headline caught my eye because um, it was talking about a restaurant that's planning on opening back up soon, and they have to adhere to social distancing guidelines. So there's going to be presumptively empty tables and they're choosing to fill those empty tables with mannequins instead of just leaving them empty so that customers, you know, feel like it's more crowded. And I don't know if this was just like for the humor aspect of it, or if they really thought that that would make people feel like there were more people in the restaurant, but either way, the article caught my eye and I actually read it. It's in West Virginia. So I thought it was local. So it made it a little bit less fun, but but it Road is a trip. restaurant in yeah <laughs> in West Virginia. So it'll be interesting to see if uh, other restaurants follow suit. And also, but I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Does that make it more awkward, or like would you be more likely to go just because it would be funny? <laughs> well, wasn't the um I think wasn't part of it was was that the mannequins are going to be dressed up in these like vintage like 1940s clothes yes. or 1940s. <laughs> Right. And then you had a good well, idea, right? Like for conversation. Yeah. Well, my, my whole thing was, so a, I think this, the question is make it less awkward. I think it'd be so awkward. <laughs> Just mannequins yeah. around. What you should have, right. you should have like, um, I don't, well, I, I don't know. I was thinking they need to have, my idea was to have like tape recorders of conversations that you could play on on the tables and just loud enough you could overhear them. And so that you're listening to the people's converse, the mannequins conversations and, and we can, we can silently judge them to our, and then we, we can lean over to our people at our table and be like, did you hear what they just said? You know, and then we can just talk, <laughs> we can talk trash about them. I need to right. get, I was so in love it yesterday. Like I need to get back out in the world and start judging people again. <laughs> I, I, what do you think? I, I, another, I love it. Would you go? Yeah. I love it. What do you think? I think it would be creepy. It reminds me of um, the, so it's funny because I was just reminded of this when I was watching Project Blue Book like a month ago or so, um, but they had, um, they back in the 50s, they, you know, did nuclear testing sites and they would actually recreate these towns and they would put mannequins up all dressed up like Ooh. in different positions throughout the town from like walking the dog to delivering the mail, dropping off the milk um, driving a neighbor, talking to another neighbor. And it, and like when they were showing it, um, this thing, it just gives you this creepy like vibe, like something bad happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I always think of it as like one of those things, like this is just not right. This is just not, this is unreal. Like it's, it's like, it, it reminds me also of those movies. Um, I, I don't know, like those robot movies like you see and stuff like that. Like, are we going to become like Blade Runner? <laughs> we don't know who's the robot right. and who's not because we need to have people around us. So we are creating robots now, which leads to that whole oh, AI yeah, thing. yeah, that brings it that, to another level. That everybody's all worried about, you know, the, the robots taking over. And so, <laughs> I mean, I get what they're trying to do and I, and I understand it in a way. Like, they're just trying to like, and, and and part of me might thinks like you said it might be a, a big joke like haha like we'll just fill it up with mannequins and then like so <laughs> right I think it's, it's a way to like get, a, genius, get their name in the news. It's a genius idea. It's like it's, it's like, like no, in the middle of nowhere <laughs> restaurant 
this middle of nowhere restaurant in West Virginia now has us in Massachusetts talking about it. Like this is a genius marketing idea. I love marketing, it. Marketing, totally. yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you, you wouldn't expect that out of West Virginia. That's my elitist um, East Coast sensibilities talking right there. Um, Mr. Jaffe, good morning. Good morning, everybody. Mr. Jaffe, would you go morning, to a restaurant that had, uh, had mannequins? Yeah, you know, I think if, uh, if I'm hungry, I'll go anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'll sit you know, think uh, I think one of the things we're missing is, you know, the, the simple pleasure of sitting at a table someone waiting on us and someone taking away the dishes. I haven't had <laughs> that for a while. Dishes, right, Mr. Jaffe? <laughs> I know. You, I'm sorry, Miss Leonard, but what did you say about the dishes? Not having to do dishes. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine? They take them away and they're all done. Yep. And you can <laughs> sit and talk to the person. No one's wandering away or the TV's not on. Yeah. It's just a simple the simple, simple pleasure of eating out is something that I think I, I really miss. Mm. Yeah, I go. I, I, go, I agree with I go you, in a second. Is, is everyone yeah, is even even like the pancake of, house would be would be great. Yeah, I hop. Yeah, are the are the dishes just out of control in everyone else's house? Or is it just my house? It's oh, the dishes cooking. are the worst. Yeah, three meals a day. <laughs> three, it's right? Three meals a day. And it used to be right. in our house. Like, I mean, like I would eat breakfast in the morning, but like nobody else would. Like Michaela would eat at school, and Jen would eat at at school, and and John would eat at daycare, lunch. And then yeah, like there are some days like if if we went out to eat, then you'd have no dishes for the day. <laughs> the dish I'm experiencing that too, but like the the pile the daily pile up of the dishes is like driving me absolutely insane. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> speaking it's of awful. going out to eat. Speaking of going out to eat, we do have a more local restaurant who has come up with sort of a, a bit of a genius idea to, again, about kind of coming back in time, but also a way to sort of drum up some business. Empty parking lots could become the new hot spots for restaurant goers. And hopefully we can uh, come up with something different that we can uh, utilize our parking lot. Bob Wong's family has owned Kowloon Restaurant in Saugus for decades. The landmark restaurant along Route 1, now takeout only during the pandemic. But Wong is speaking to town officials and looking at ways to get creative for when restaurants are allowed to serve customers on site again. We uh, decided to maybe utilize a big part of our parking lot, especially in the back part, where we can do something, maybe something different, something special. And uh, we can do it rather quickly and hopefully the cost and the time consuming would be at a minimal. Massachusetts restaurant owners can look to their neighbors to the north. New Hampshire is on track to reopen restaurants on May 18th. It will be outdoor seating only, and some business owners plan to take advantage of the state's offer to loosen restrictions and allow sidewalks and parking lots to be used as dining areas. Definitely want to get back in business. Back in Saugus, Wong hopes the new way to serve customers will help him rehire most of the staff he had to cut. We have... uh, High hopes that in the very near future, we'll start bringing more people back. And whether it's in the dining room inside or possibly outside, I think we can start hiring quite a few people back once we get rolling again. As you can see, there are a lot of cars in the parking lot right now. These are customers waiting to get their takeout. The governor hasn't announced when restaurants will be able to reopen to serve customers on site. But management here at Kowloon Restaurant hope that they'll be able to do so in early June. In Saugus, Eric Kane, 7 News 19. I am all for a, the Kowloon being like a drive-in movie theater. Yeah, that's a, cool. That's a good idea. Yeah, I'm a hundred genius. Genius, right? It's, it's, it's 
entrepreneurship Absolutely. at its best. Like, okay, mm-hmm. what am I going to do to 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 continue my business? Yeah, and yeah, like I liked you know, it. You've been to the Kowloon. They have an enormous parking lot, and the irony is that like most nights, especially weekend nights, it's pretty full. Like the Kowloon. Oh is, yeah. I've heard that it's the. I don't know if this is true. It's the reputation that it's the largest Asian themed restaurant on the East Coast. I believe it. Could be. I, yeah, it would it's like it. a landmark. Could very well be. It's funny because, like, as, all, as a lot of the other, like, kitschy kind of places have disappeared on Route 1 in Saugus, the, the Kowloon lives, and also the, the Leaning Tower of Pizza uh, across the street, the, the Prince Pizza. But a couple, like, the Hilltop Steakhouse is gone, and Couple other places that were the the, the orange dinosaur. The orange dinosaur. Still, that's still there, though, right? The orange dinosaur lives, but the the mini golf place is is gone. And but the, the orange dinosaur. Is, yeah. Speaking of which, where that is now, it's now a Cane's Donuts and has a drive-through. Yeah. And we I drove up there. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Well. Good luck, because we drove up there the other day, and the the drive-through line for the Cane's was around. It circled around the store. Then it went out into like the little side street and went like up the hill. It wasn't even like worth it. So we just went to Bagel World in, in Peabody, which is oh my god, um, an equal. That's crazy. That was like Kelly's thing last weekend. Josh and I drove by, and Kelly's had a line like like almost to like the to the street, you know, like the side street that you come on off the windfalls. And I was yeah. like, oh my god, just for Kelly's roast beef. <laughs> That's not even the good Kelly's roast beef like it used to be when you go to the beach. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the beach one is the original one, right? The one at yeah. Riviera Beach. Um, I don't know if I told you guys, that's what the Whittier teachers did. A bunch of them, they all got drive through from Cane's, and then they drove over to the Target parking lot um, across the street, and they did a little socially distanced, like, lunch together. They all, like, sat in, like, their trunks and whatever. I think we should plan something like that. But we're talking. I wonder before. how many kids have been to. A, oh, I'm sorry. I was wondering how many how many of our kids have been to a drive-in movie. Those are I hard can't to tell find you the last time I I went to a drive-in. Miss Mara, have you ever been to a drive-in movie? Um, I have. It was in New York. My grandmother lived in upstate New York, and there was a couple uh, there. But that was probably like 25 years ago or more. Yeah. They have one in the when I was very little, that was kind of the end of the drive, drive-in movie era. But I remember yeah, being, yeah. A, being a kid, being four, five, six years old, and going to drive-ins with, with my parents. There is one in, in, there's one that still exists on Route 146 in, I think the town is Menden. Um, it's in yeah, 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 the it Andelman brothers bought it. The, uh, yeah. the Phantom Gourmet people. And, and, yeah, it's in between Providence and Worcester. So yeah, yeah, and they bought it and they there's all I mean, I think that's just amazing. They might idea. be coming back, you know, the drive in <laughs> At least for a while. The only problem is, is like it's space. Like like people yeah. have put buildings on the space. You need it used to be you go to the steel, drive on to it, they would have the speakers. I remember going in college, they had one in Fort Lauderdale still like open and like it was fun, and it was just like, and then you would get out of your car, fun. go to the concession stand, and get your popcorn and soda. Yeah, you could sit on top of your car if you wanted to. Yeah, and also, you know, back in the day, you could get in fights with greasers there. You know, you could, you, 
you could pick up social girls and you know walk home and get a nice greasers. Well, uh, back in the day, this I guess a, a poor reflection on me. They were charged by the uh, not by the person, but by the car. So people uh, would. You have people hiding so in the we trunk. We put kids in the trunk, and then we. Yeah. Yes, how did we my do mom it? did that. <laughs> yeah, and then so we would be afraid. No, they were charged by the person. Charged by the person, right? Right. So and then so because I can remember we were, a kid would go in the trunk. And we would drive in, and then we would take the kids, hopefully, out of the trunk in there. Mr. Mr. Jaffe, I saw... I know, I know, know, that's terrible, isn't it? Mr. Mr. Jaffe, I saw Snow White in the drive-in theater in Hawaii when I was a little girl. Oh, my God, that's awesome. And my mom took us, and we were in the station wagon. And I, and I was real little, but, oh, my mom, she said, when Cinderella, like, at the end, when the witch goes over the cliff... um, it was it's very terrifying. She's like, yeah, it's all these these two little scared little kids. <laughs> but I, I remember, remember that. I, I, that. That is so yeah. Uh, and you were you were in. Um, I was in Hawaii, in, so I was like four. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, you were, yeah. Did the kids know you were you've been all over with your dad, right? With his. Yeah. Uh, were you were you you were uh, were you like a military brat or not? Uh huh. My, pi- my dad was a pilot in the Coast Guard. So you were all over the place. Mhm. That's nice. Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that the Snow White because my memories of drive-ins are also like Disney movies, like Lady and the Tramp, and Fantasia, and uh, what's the other one? I remember. Oh, The Jungle Book. I remember seeing like those. I distinctly remember seeing those movies in, in drive-in. Well, speaking um, of the Jungle Book, I got a Jungle Book equation, an equation, a question on Kahoot today, so. <laughs> Oh, yeah, Kahoot, 2 o'clock, Mr. Jaffe? We'll do 2 o'clock. I'll, I haven't sent out invitations. I'll go out shortly. Okay. Yeah, and I have good. an 11 o'clock uh, Zoom for science if anybody has questions, concerns. Sounds whatever. good. All right, let's take a quick commercial break. We'll hear from Shower Patch Kids, and we'll get back and talk about what's not being taught in schools that should be. Your old body wash is okay, but there's one problem. It doesn't smell like Sour Patch Kids. Well, guess what? Now it can. Introducing Shower Patch Kids Body Wash, available in four classic scents. The only body wash that takes your favorite candy out of your mouth and rubs it all over your body. First, the sour invigorates. Then, the sweet alleviates. And the shimmering sugar crystals exfoliate, making you feel like a new person with all the same problems. And just like your bite-sized buddies, it's 100% edible, so you can satisfy your sweet tooth while you scrub. First you're sour, then you're sweet, then you're irresistible. Mmm. Put a little sour in your shower with new Shower Patch Kids 2-in-1 Body Wash. Sour, sweet, clean. Back on the Mama Love It Show, episode 23. With everyone else, let's talk about uh, the Friday the Friday journal entry. Oh, journal discussion question. Um, a lot of people, I've been seeing a lot of things on, on social media 
over the past couple of years, just kind of complaining. And it's, it's, it's never by people who are actually in education. It's all people that are not, they, they work in other fields, but there's all kinds of talks about, Oh, the school should be teaching this school should be teaching that school should be teaching this. And we, we already teach the kids so much stuff. There's so much, so many things that we're asked to do by the school district, by the state, by the federal government and the, all kinds of things that we do, like the body, what's, what do they call that? They have to do like the body, um, what's, what's that called? They, like they check the kids like, like their body mass. The scoliosis. Scoliosis. Oh, yeah, the, body the BMI. Mass. BMI, yeah they, do their, yeah. they do their BMI. And then we're, we're supposed right. to like send a letter home to the parents if like, if their kid's BMI is. So we're asked to do so much. So I wonder <laughs> Are there things, though, that, we are, that should be essential? Are there things that, that kids are not learning in school that they should? Miss um, Levitt, you want to start off? Do you have any? What do you think about? Is there anything that? So your, your, your journal entry today as a student is, you know, what would you like to learn in school? What do you think kids should learn in school that you're not learning or haven't learned yet? What do you, what do you think, Levitt? Things that are not being taught in school. Um, honestly, I think that um, there's, even though it's part of the curriculum and just been mandated as part of the curriculum, like, or has been, but, like, I don't think geography is being taught enough in school. Um, people mm-hmm. don't really know um, where things are located or how to locate things, um, which is kind of sad in a way because it's just part of, like, understanding your, you know, people keep, you know, oh, we have to be, you know, global and cultural, but yet we don't seem to think it's necessary that people know where places are. Um, I also think, this is the history teacher of me, but I do think that there's not enough time spent, I know at least within our um, schools sometimes, is um, teaching history to small kids and stuff like that and learning about different cultures and different places around the world. It's a real understanding to understand places and governments and if you understand the history of their culture and how they came to be because that's just like one of those important things. Um, I'm a big classical person. I think learning some of the classics and some, a little bit of like who our philosophers are and things like that. I don't, because it's kind of like the basis of our culture. And I don't think a lot of that, I think there's a lot of nonsense that's taught in school, to be honest, sometimes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Some of the basis of like Western Sith. You know what's like, funny? You mentioned like, people can't even add yeah. and subtract. Like, like well, yeah. I should never have a kid that say, what's five times five? Like, even Miss Levin knows that. <laughs> it's insane. Now, do you do you think a lot of that? How much of that do you think is um, like our over reliance these days on our technology and gadgets? Do you I think that think has anything to do with it? I think part of it is, and I think the other part is, there's been excuses made that that kids shouldn't have to memorize things. That me- learning to to learn like you have a great memory, Mr. McGowan. Like you remember everything, but you wouldn't have had that great memory if you didn't like train your memory yeah. and use it as a small kid. And it's like, we don't teach our kids how to memorize things or how to remember, not even memorize in the sense of memory, but remember things. And it's like, and like part of learning is like memorizing things. It's not just, you know, being able to understand like, cause at certain levels as any um, behavioral or um, psychologist or developmental psychologist would be able to tell you is like, you know, you have different stages of how your brain learns as you're a small child to an adult. And I think we push kids too young. Um, 
and, and, and give them too much information for them to absorb all at once when they're real small, when they should be learning their basics so that they're prepared and have a good foundation to build upon. Um, my philosophy. Yeah. I have a couple comments just in terms of like memory including socialization and cutting and gluing. Okay. I should <laughs> seventh grade class once who couldn't cut and couldn't glue and they didn't know cutting, how to pull paper. Yeah. And I didn't understand that. <laughs> we learned all that stuff in our early grades in first, second, third, fourth grade. That's what, we did um, it all the time. <laughs> that's what Jonathan's working on right now is working on cutting and gluing and even like, He's, he's also working on like using like the, like the Chromebook and like how to like work the mouse and those kind of like fine motor skills. Um, you mentioned geography. Interesting. I was thinking about back a couple of years ago when I used to do, I, I used to do more trivia Tuesday with the students and I would give hints for some things. Like if the answer was like a city, I would say like, all right, uh, here's your hint. It's on the West coast. And I would get Philadelphia, Toronto, <laughs> Boston, Miami, yeah. Florida, That's Oklahoma. It. It's simple things like, like that. <laughs> yeah, and like I was, I was amazed by how many kids didn't know. Now, this is not all kids. There are some kids that are that yeah. are don't fall in this category. But I was amazed by how many students didn't know that we are on the East Coast. Yeah, <laughs> like or what that, that means they swim in the Atlantic Ocean. The Atlantic Ocean, right? Yeah. Like the East Coast. Or, <laughs> Just that, like certain like cities are cities and, and states are states. Like I asked, like the answer is a city, and they'd be like Florida. Like no, Florida is not a city. Or they'd be like Canada. Like no, that's a country. It's not a city. Oh, Af- so, yeah, like, Africa is the big one. That's a big country, and I'm like, that's a continent. Yeah, there was there was like a I remember there was like a big like argument in class one day. Um, one of the girls who was African descent. Like somebody said something about Africa, all the countries are the same anyway. <laughs> they were going to like bite each other in class. I think Crowley. Oh, yeah, yeah. Guy. I remember that. <laughs> yeah. I think, Africa I think Crowley. Africa couldn't was, be more diverse in terms of. Couldn't be, right? I mean, like Africa. And things like that. Oh, yeah. Between like Morocco and Egypt and Kenya and mm. Wakanda. You know, Wakanda is a real country, right? Well, they have so many different. <laughs> what are they? Binomes? They have so many different ones that they live in. Like, Islands, yeah. They got like three different deserts and all different things. Um, <laughs> Jungles, forests. <laughs> yeah, the, the geography thing. I because for me, like when I was a kid, like I this is like I loved. I I still like maps. I'm I love maps and I love my Google Maps and like looking stuff up on maps and trying to see maps and things. I used to like make maps of like my neighborhood and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I, I don't know, Miss Love. Maybe by the time I get to you, it was the first time they've ever like done anything with maps. You know. Well, oh, maybe I they hope have. Not. No, I hope not. There's, you know what? There's, there's plenty of kids that when we do the, I showed them the Sparkle quiz about the U.S. states, and they know they the states, states, and yeah, they depends. But about just to comment on memory, like you said, like I do think I have a really good memory, but I watch it in my own kids, and there's two factors to memory. One is is just being perceptive and aware of what's going on around you. And just mm-hmm. kind of like be like, like my, I noticed that with Michaela and Jonathan, like they're both like very like perceptive and they notice like lots of things and little things. And then the second part, like you said, it's like a skill. You have to like practice it. It doesn't just happen like overnight. Mm-hmm. So like my, my, my daughter, and my son have like amazing memories sometimes. And I'm like always impressed. And part of it is because it's like, I try to like bring things up and try to remind them of things and try to like build those habits of mind. 
but that's something that you things to, you're doing and, and talking to them and making them talk about it later, like bringing yeah. it back up again. Repetition is the cornerstone of memory. Repetition is the cornerstone of memory. Repetition <laughs> is the cornerstone of memory. Miss <laughs> um, Mara, what do you think? What's, what's, what are kids not learning in school that maybe they should be? Um, well, I kind of want to piggyback on what Miss Levis said, which is, or I don't know if this is exactly what you were saying, Miss Levis, but like in the earlier grades, kindergarten, I think there's too much emphasis placed on like learning how to write a paragraph that's not developmentally appropriate. And I think that's when right. a lot of like character learning should be taking place or just, and, and not even like direct learning, just letting the kids play with each other more um, mm-hmm. and like learn how to get along with people, learn how to solve their own conflicts yep. and just kind of back off a little bit. Um, so there's that. And then I also feel like somehow incorporating real life skills, like, learning how to apply for a credit card or how interest grows on a credit card or apply to colleges and things like that can be not taught necessarily as a separate class, but like incorporated into math or ELA um, in like a kill two birds with one stone kind of way. Yeah. We, we had some yeah. great, we had some great sessions when a couple of years ago, remember Mr. Jaffe and Ms. Levitt, when we had the, that financial literacy um, group that came in. I don't know, like the people that came right. to my class, they were really good. And yeah, my, they were. My, yeah, they were, were yeah, my home room was, they were engaged and they had all kinds of great questions. And because a, a lot of our students in eighth grade, they just kind of think that they're just going to grow up and then like, like money is just going to be like given to them and they're just going to like have things. It's just going to magically appear. And I don't think it they understand. Well, it, 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 it's not. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just I'm just joking. Yeah. I know, I know. We're, we're getting we're getting closer to that utopia when you know people can work for self-actualization, like like on Star Trek, and not for not for not for labor of the ca- the capitalist cog machine. But that's well, kind of what my son and I are discussing yeah. whether or not what's the future is just keep on you know giving getting government checks and sitting at home or going out to work. We're, I don't we're know. We're becoming Wally people. It's not a good thing with, yeah. <laughs> but anyway. Mr. Jaffe, what do you think? Uh, so what's not being taught in schools that should be? So I, I you know, one of the, just quickly, a uh, basic math. I, I shouldn't see any eighth graders using their fingers. I should, I should when eighth, and, and there's a math sense. Like by the time you get to eighth grade, you should know like equivalence. Like if, Number you know, left side, right side of the equation. And, and kids aren't picking it up, and it's not in eighth grade. It's they're not picking it up along the way, and it's um, it's real scary. You know, it's funny. When I was at the um, high school, I remember I remember doing going over like the MCAS data for the math, and they said all along one of the one of the negative things, one of the struggles that students have is number sense, and we're talking yeah, about oh, I see it all the time. No sense of no and. I'm sure you guys know this, but like the way that like math is taught these days is much different than the way like we learned math. You know, like we mm-hmm. learned I, multiplication tables and so everything was was like rote memorization. You had to memorize your times to and and I can't like really. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. I think it needed. It helped me. I think it's definitely <laughs> needed. But like the stuff, the math that Mikhail is doing now, it's all very like conceptual, and they're trying to like visualize like the things like that. And then for me, I think, I'm I'm looking at it saying like just add four plus five. <laughs> I know. I'm, seven plus five I is twelve. Like add to it. Yeah, 
I don't know. I feel like it works for a lot of kids. Like, for example, with Eden, it definitely works. Like, her number sense is just through the roof. But I, I think that that only works for, like, a certain percentage of yeah. learning styles. So you got to have both. Like, again, like, as I'm teaching in the classroom, I'll show them one way. But then I'll be like, but also, I just learned it this way. And it takes you 30 seconds as opposed to, like, a half an hour to solve the problem. And right. I think we're doing our kids a disservice to, like, expect that that's the only way that they're going to know how to solve it because when you take the SATs I don't know what they look like these days maybe I should look at one but I don't think you're going to need to know you know maybe you do but how to like show nope. all your work in a way so you Ms. need Mark, to know yeah. both like you said you, the SAT you have it's a time test you, you have to know how to and do it quickly right process in your head and stuff like that so I that's remember. not really fair I don't think no, it's not. They, sh- they should get as many ways as possible to memorize. Uh, to, well, they're to learn slowing processing to speed down too, though, because when you think about it, you shouldn't take five minutes to process what, like, you know, twenty plus, you know, thirty-one is. It, it you should be able to just say it's fifty-one. Like, you should have that sense of numbers. But like, mm-hmm. it's too much process. Like, it's like they're showing all the little steps, and I think it's good if if they don't understand it. Like your advanced kids that are really moving forward, that's when, to me personally, you should be doing, when they say the enrichment, like doing all the conceptual stuff and getting them to really dig deep because they want to know. They want the why. The kids that are having a hard time with the simple stuff, you need to, to break it down further and show them different methods that would work for them. Um, but the, I think the reality is it's basic stuff, like like two plus two and, two, you know, your, your, your addition facts and your multiplication facts and and call me old fashioned all you want, but like if you can calc those and learn how to do it when you're real little, it makes doing higher order math a little bit easier than trying yeah, to always mm-hmm. try to figure out what the what the simplicity of the math is, and then you get confused with the equation part. Well, I mean, as I I, I relate a lot of things to sports as, as we know, and you look at I look at those sort of basic skills as being like in basketball things like you know dribbling, passing, and as you get into more advanced math and like more advanced like like say like basketball concepts and sports and higher levels of competition if you don't have those basic skills mastered you're just you're you're screwed there's nothing you can't do it you know like you said the people taking forever to figure out what 20 plus 31 is and that's not even like really the focus of that problem that's just a minor little piece of the problem but that that's holding kids back from being able to actually do the whole problem. I would love to get Miss Nato's take on that because I think we know how she oh, feels yeah. about kids' think, lack I think of that too, like, understanding of basic skills. Since you're an English teacher, I'm going to take it in, in Miss Mar. You know, like comprehension. Like I find that kids that are more aware and understand, um, ge- like even geography and stuff like that. Like when you're reading like social studies stuff or science stuff, and they're talking about places or things. If you've had a sense of those basics of like knowing things so you can visualize it in your head, you tend to understand the reading more. And, and yeah. that's like, like when you're real little, like in kindergarten and first grade, you know, you, you read the animal books and you learn about the animals or you learn about the different places, like habitats of, of, of people and animals and resources and, and play, where people live. And like all that stuff is all to help you. So when you're learning this higher reading levels, like you can comprehend it because you can visualize, oh, I know what that is already. I know. But if you don't know what it is, then you can't comprehend it. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I I always I always like like visual stuff. Like, just look, be, 
helping to understand refugee is so much easier if you can picture the geography of going from Germany to Cuba and just how far that mm. is, or going from Cuba to Miami or Syria. And mm-hmm. then I, I looked up, it helped me. I, I looked up on the map. One of the cities mentioned in the, in the novel was Izmir in Turkey. And then they're trying to get to the Greek island of Lesbos, uh, which is you know part mm-hmm. of Greece, that's part of the European Union. Lesbos is like 10 kilometers from the coast of Izmir, like, like right there. So just knowing that, yeah. I was able to like understand a little more. Like it's not some really, really long like ocean voyage. It's like this little tiny like passage that they're trying to get across, but it's still long. It's, it's still big enough that they can have like hardship on it. But that's why, like, you know, I love having my PowerPoints and things like that in, as the supplements. But it, if you don't have those in, then uh, a lot of times it's, it's harder to learn. And it's okay to go to those, like, visual cues, too. Like, I'm always looking for visual cues and things like that. The one thing I would add to things that I think our students specifically should be learning and I think our kids miss out on in middle school is foreign language. I think, I think it's a huge oh, disservice. Oh, that's true, Mr. McGowan. Yeah, I think it's a huge disservice that our kids in Everett Middle Schools don't get access to to foreign language at least even even just like a basic intro like when i was in middle school i had i i took in seventh grade i took french and then i took french again in eighth grade and then when i went to ninth grade i was in french two already so like two years of middle school is like one year of um like high school french and just you mentioned earlier Levitt, about like understanding cultures and like places in the world and like that's one thing like for students to be able to like just learn a foreign language and just learn about the culture. Even you know, don't you learn about the culture and foreign yeah. language class a lot. I know that was part of the like the the, the curriculum is to understand like the yeah. culture and the foods they eat and where they live think, and what it's like and to, to live in those places. Like, love it. You mentioned the classics, you know, my friend who was a Latin teacher at, at Everett high, you know, when they, when they, they, when they learn Latin, they're not just learning the language. They're, they're reading all the old stories of the Roman mm-hmm. empire, yeah. reading about Julius Caesar and the Roman gods and mythology. It's a whole like culture that's, that's being right. mm-hmm. kept alive. Yeah. Mr. Jaffe, what were you going to say? Oh, I, uh, you know, how much, like if I, how much French can you speak now? Probably zero, nothing. Je so parle I, beaucoup I, yeah, I, yeah, I remember, you know, Jean Trudeau was on the class. Je m'appelle Mr. Jaffe. That's about all I remember. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Jaffe. Yeah, but I really think that. Play devil's advocate, you know, how much, how much of my, the my school chemistry class do I remember and use on a daily basis? Right. But I, I'm glad that I was exposed right, to but it. I, I, I'd be willing to bet that, you know, maybe. Maybe out of your club, maybe there's a couple of those kids that, you know, were working on the coronavirus now that sat in your, uh, you know, Archbishop Fee and Chem class. You never know. But I, I just think learning. Uh, I, I took two years. I took two years of middle school French, four years of high school French, and then two years of college French. And even when I was in college, I wondered why do why am I doing this? Because I was I was majoring in biochem. And so why? Am yeah. I, but you had to. And I know the guidance counselors are always preaching to our kids, you know, you have to take four years. It looks really good in your transcript, which is great. You have to, you have to. But I, I just think, oh my God, why are you taking? A lot of our students are bilingual as it is. Why do they need a third language? And um, um, what do you get out of it? And I think it's great to learn the culture and take a course on, you know, uh, Latin culture and Roman culture and, but to uh, sit and learn, you know, do uh, uh, verb conjunctions, oh, my, what for? 
No, but I if you're really motivated. Jaffe, I learned a lot about English from learning no, French. Too. Yeah, I learned, I learned a lot I, about I, I didn't. I didn't. It's all I learned a lot of verb tenses. So and also, when I, 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 I was also exposed yeah, to literature. Yeah, I was exposed to literature that I never would have. Like, you know, we read in college. I read like We Clos, which is No Exit, which is the the play by. Oh, Jean I did Paul. too in French. But I I, I read it in I, French, I, and yeah. we read other things. I read Simone de Beauvoir and Le Petit Prince, and other things like in French that I was would not have been. I did too, to. but and we saw yeah. uh, Jules and Jim. At the oh cinema. yeah, I just watched but, Jules uh, and Jim, Jimmy Jules. But uh, but I, I didn't get. I just get more out of it than you know. I I read the subtitles. I, mm-hmm. I can't. I I just think it's not a good way to spend time in school. Is to start you know doing those decla- what do you, you know, what do you call declarative uh, declaratives? I can't remember. Oh my! It was so hard, and I just and I can't speak a word of French. Well, Mr. Yeah. Jaffe, I suffered in foreign language, too. I only took two years, and I understand that. But I, like, I look at, like, my daughter, Sophia. Like, she took, like, like um, Italian all through middle school and high school. And, like, she was at work one day, and, and she worked with these little old Italian ladies, and they were speaking with, to her one day, and they just were speaking in Italian. They forgot. And she's answering yeah. them back in English. Oh, that's great. She, she could pick it up. I could never pick it up. Yeah, and and I guess, like, I don't know, I just look at it like it gives you a little bit, the people that, I've always envied the people that kind of at least remember it, because when they go places, at least they have a little, they're not feeling 100% Right, no, I envy kids, uh, some, our kids who can speak two languages, I think. Yeah, I envy that, too. I wish I well, were bilingual. Uh, and, and the Spanish kids that can understand the Portuguese, and the Portuguese can understand the Spanish, even though they don't speak correct. it fluently or anything, awesome? but it gets them by, at least, because... Absolutely, I think they're a step ahead of uh, some of the kids who don't have the, you know, don't have those those skills. There's a lot of jobs. There's a lot of jobs today when uh, they're posted and it says you know bilingual preferred. Yeah. Uh, especially around right, here, we'll be right there, right at the head of the line for that, for those. Yeah, yeah. sure. Because the only thing about our kids, I would say, is they have to continue to keep up their original language because they'll lose it. No, it's, yeah. and right. that's why right. we never got a chance to really talk to our students about their course selections. But hopefully that to Angle and Miss Nato talk to them that all the students who are Spanish speaking, they all get into Spanish for heritage speakers. The because heritage, that, right, right. That becomes more of like a like a literature like a like a literature class. They're not going over the basic mayamo this, may that, you know. They're get they're not doing the days of the week. They're they're actually they're like doing like an ELA class. They're reading and they're writing in Spanish. Yeah, they're teaching them how to read and write in their language. And a lot of kids, you know, maybe if they came over here at a young age, they've been focusing entirely on English. And maybe they still speak Spanish with their parents and their verbal skills are good. But for most kids, they're not reading in Spanish. They're not writing in Spanish. And so, like, those skills are, are being lost. All right. right, let's. Uh, so just to sum up your journal entry for Friday, and all, all our journals are due tomorrow on Saturday. Um, today's journal entry is what are students not being taught in school that they should be. What do you think that you would want to learn in school that, um, that, that you're not or you haven't? So we talked things about geography, um, history, cultures, places in the world, classics, basic skills, foreign languages. Also, I read another article where it mentioned even things like conversation and um, relationships, dating and romantic relationships. Uh, someone mentioned about about money and finances. Um, the government, we're getting that in civics class. 
um, home repair, car repair, credit cards, cooking, um, finding a job, health care, health insurance. There's like a whole lot of things that, that you could think about. Things that you're, that you're not getting in school that maybe you think you might want to learn. All right, quick first commercial aid. break. <laughs> I said first aid, being able to do CPR and stuff like that. I know. Yeah, first aid, absolutely. All right, quick commercial break, and then we'll come back with our final segment with student questions. Ana, veggie rock, shiari koi. Yes, that's Dothraki they're speaking, and no, those children aren't Dothraki. They're Westerosi, and they've acquired their amazing new language skills through Muzzy, the remarkable new video language program for children developed by the King's Landing Dungeon Library. With this unique language course, humans, giants, and even bastards can learn a second language with incredible ease. Four delightful videos quickly become their favorite TV show and teaches children the same way they learned the common tongue. Learning another language becomes fun. At Akat Sen. You'll be amazed when your children begin speaking and understanding their new language within the very first day with this unique method. It is known. The entire course, four videos, two audio cassettes, and 30 in-depth scrolls, is available in Dothraki, Valerian, Hodor, and White Walker. To order, send a raven to the Iron Islands. We'll ship you all this for 20 gold pieces a month for six months. Or order now for a low price of just three petrified dragon eggs. Order soon, because as we all know, winter is coming. Nacho Punch! Wow, that was interesting commercial. Speaking of foreign language, <laughs> you go, go ahead and learn learn how to speak Dothraki. You know, it's like there you know there there are people that actually teach like like the Klingon language from Star Trek or some of the like the Star Wars <laughs> languages. But I was reading on Game of Thrones. You know, they actually like they had linguists who actually created a language. They created two languages. They created Dothraki, Valyrian, and some other things going on there. So. We get some of our resident Game of Thrones experts. Well, all right, final segment on the Mama Levitt Show. Um, student questions. So we've got. Gear out. Yep, that's Levitt. That's Levitt's loud. All right, we'll we'll, we'll mute Levitt until until she's uh, ready to come back. Um, fascinating stuff here. I got some great questions. Um, Let's start with some abstract ones, and then we'll do. Then we'll finish up with some some basic ones. Dennis has a question where he wants to know what's what's your biggest weakness as a teacher. Interesting, Miss Mary. You want to you want to try try that one? What do you what do you think is your biggest weakness? It's always good to like to, uh, to like sort of like do some self um, reflection. Totally. Um... Historically, I think it's just been being too too nice, like, you know, people taking my kindness for weakness type thing, but it actually is a weakness. Like, if a kid comes to me and says, I, I haven't been able to do this because of such and such, you know, I have a hard time giving them that tough love. Um, and also, like, justifying it. Like, I'll be like, well, they get a lot of tough love from the other teachers, so I'll be that nice person. And I wonder sometimes if that's, like, a cop-out or if I'm just, like, afraid to – like stand my ground. So that has been always a really hard balance for me to try to find. 
Yeah, it's a tough balance between like compassion and, and accountability for sure. Mr. Jaffe, what do you think? What's your biggest weakness as a teacher? Oh, uh, yeah. That's a, I was hoping you'd do me less. You know, something, I, I had some trouble at the beginning of the year remembering names and pronouncing <laughs> yeah. names. And, and I think, you know, kids are in eighth grade and I get it. And sometimes they take offense if I, I pronounce a name wrong and I don't mean to. It's just that there's a learning curve, especially when you're older, to remember names. Yeah. So I, that is definitely a weakness of mine. What I find funny is that, um, you know, students have like five or six teachers' names to remember. We have like a hundred student names exactly. to remember. Exactly <laughs> what I tell kids too. Yeah. And there's a lot of kids who are in and, and like this, your, your brain as a teacher, like your brain just goes in like a thousand miles an hour at like all times. And you're, you have to make like a million different decisions and being aware of, I, I don't think many people in the real world, like know, like what it's like, like mentally is like, to be a teacher. Sorry, that made me think of something. I forget where I heard this statistic, but I think next to like a neurosurgeon, teachers have to make the most decisions in a day, like yeah. per hour. There's hundreds, hundreds, yeah, hundreds of decisions. And that's why, like, for me, like, I try to, like, set up my day so that, like, I can minimize, like, the number of, like, frivolous decisions I have to make. So I have to, that's why like routines are so important and like those kind of things that keep the, keep the, keep the classroom moving. They say a good quarterback yeah. is, uh, you know, makes those decisions, looks at the data in front of them and makes the right decision in like two seconds or however long two it's seconds. supposed to take. Right. And it's, and you got everyone's eyes on you. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's the tough part. Miss um, Levitt, are you there? Yeah, I'm here. All right. What do you, so Dennis' Hello? question was, yeah, what's your what's your biggest weakness as a teacher? Um, God, I, I I have I always think I have a lot. Um, you know, I do agree with like Mr. Jaffe. Sometimes I've found the older I've gotten, sometimes the harder. Like after kids leave my like school, remembering the n- names, I remember faces. Um, it, it always comes back, but um. Is in, in pronouncing last names. I have a wicked hard time with that. I, I don't hear the sounds the way they think I hear them. So I, I do that. Um, I do think sometimes I feel like I sometimes when I'm doing things, I'm not either. I feel like sometimes I'm going to be honest. I feel sometimes like I, like I fail the kids in teaching them and maybe I'm not doing my job enough um, or I could do more. Um, or sometimes when kids, I say stuff like, did I, did I say the right thing? How did, how was it perceived? Um, I hope I didn't say anything that's upset at somebody because, you know, never, ever my intention ever to do that to a child. Um, and, and, and right, those right, things sure. go through my mind a lot, like, like in, in, in my head, especially when I go home a lot, it's caused a lot of sleepless nights. <laughs> you you, yeah. you want to take back what, what, yeah, exactly. Well, I know what you're talking Sometimes like yeah. when kids like give you like really bad, like, like if like in a classroom, like and this happened a few times last year, but like really, really bad attitude. Sometimes it's, it's really hard sometimes to just, you know, like you're trying to set something straight, but you're not sure if they understood what you were saying versus they were perceiving it in a different way. Yeah. And then you have to disconnect yourself emotionally from, from that moment because most of the time, time, yeah. yeah, I have a real hard time disconnecting emotionally and like, like 
like I'm a very vested person in, in it. And like, like I, I care, I care a lot about my students, all of them. And it's just kind of like, I have a really hard time. Like, um, you know, like I, and that, and that affects me. So it affects me at home and stuff like that. I always say, and since I started working, like my students are my, are my, my other, my other kids, my, even my daughters are always like, which kids are you talking about? <laughs> People used to ask me that, which kids are you talking Your daughters are, you know, it's like, cause sometimes like I never call them my students. I always just said my kids at school. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like, I do because I I like think my job is so responsible. I'm like like about their education and taking care of their you know their educational needs. It's a big responsibility. <laughs> you know what's funny? Just love it. You say that because when, when I when I talk to my wife when we ever when I when I say our kids, I'm never referring to Michaela and Jonathan. I'm referring to like That's Everett so public school yeah. students. You know, mm-hmm. I mean. Like, and whenever I refer to our to, to Michaela and Jonathan, I say like, oh yeah, Michaela and Jonathan, or I'll say it in a different context. But like whenever I say like, yeah. you know, our kids, generally I generally mean like Everett Public Schools students, and because you know we're both Everett teachers, it, it kind of like fits that kind of context. For me, my biggest weakness as a teacher, I've always felt, is that for me, like I loved school, and just being a student came very easy to me. I enjoyed doing it. I enjoyed learning. I liked being in school. I like learning new things. And so like, I have a hard time, like putting myself in the shoes of kids who don't, you know, who don't have that Mm -hmm. like sort of innate, just desire to learn things. And like, I I just kind of like assume that, that everyone that's being a student, like comes easily to everyone else or that everyone has that sort of like desire. Um, but I have a hard time sort of like reminding myself sometimes that like not everyone thinks that way. And so you have to be able to kind of work in different ways to the to people that it doesn't. So that's, that's what I would say. Dennis, amazing question. You know, we'll do on Monday. Very good question. You know now, but on, on Monday, a great we'll question. It's a great question. Awesome question. I love some of the podcast questions that we've been getting in our weekly assignment. Some of them are really deep and really interesting and kids put some really thought to them. And um, some of them are just kind of quick and fun. But Dennis, great question. I think what we'll do on Monday is maybe I'll turn that around and we'll talk about our greatest strengths as a teacher. And we'll start the week on, on a positive note there. Um, Alyssa wants to know, could it be possible that coronavirus was created in a science lab in China? Mr. Jaffe, you want to see this is, as our science guy? Yeah, well, speak? I think it, I, I think it was created. I don't know. I, I don't know if kids saw that I, I had... Um, sent a link to watch it uh, on Nova this week, um, uh, the science of the corona of COVID-19 and going over the genome. And the genome was something like no one has ever seen the genome that uh, COVID-19 seems to present. present. So no one knows for sure if it was man-made or it, it comes from a coronavirus, but it's a new coronavirus. It definitely was made in a lab. Uh, no one's sure why. Was it made because they wanted to use it someday to attack people? No, uh, Chinese uh, government isn't saying, but it was a genome that no one has seen before, which is really strange and a little scary. And um, it got out somehow, and uh, and look what happened. But it's um, it was I think it was definitely created in a lab. That's like the plot of any like. It's, it makes a great story, Mister. Yeah. Yeah, that the plot of like what's the um, twelve monkeys contagion <laughs> like any any sort of like movie was like the oh uh, what's the other? I am legend it was always like created right. in the lab 
I was like inadvertently like uh, leaked out into the into the public. Well, they, they, yeah, they yeah, ran the genome through these computers, and the the computers are saying we don't know what it is. Yeah, which is real scary. Uh, Justin D wants to know if the coronavirus turned ceased humans into the undead. Think people would do? <laughs> <laughs> Who said that Justin D? Who is this? Justin D. Justin, that's great. That's such a Justin question. It is. And he told us on a Zoom meeting the other day, he said, like, he ran out of questions. He came up with, he had like seven questions and he was, he must have been like three in the morning and he was having like, he was having like hallucinations or something because he had some interesting (laughs) ones. I picked that one. Um, His other one he had was, um, how do you think humanity will reflect on 2020 in the future? Yeah, what do you think people will look at? I think about that all the time. Right? Great question. Yeah, that's a great question. I think we know what the big story of 2020 is going to be at the end of the year, don't we? Uh, even if the, you know, <laughs> well, the paid, hopefully it's yeah. just one year's worth. But... Yeah, I know. I know. Um, that's a great question. I, I don't. I think yeah. that remains to be seen, right? I, so I in 100 Mr. years, the next pandemic We haven't seen the repercussions of this yet. Mm, yeah, I mean, years years down the road, I wonder how we'll, like history books and how people will look back on, on 2020 and, and how it was. Uh, Maria Clara had two questions. Do you think our lives are going to go back to normal? And do you think people will follow the laws and rules after quarantine? Not entirely sure what she means by the second one. Well, uh, I'm going to say well, they, that well, a lot of these are, are orders and not laws. They haven't been passed by legislation yet. True. I guess like rules is like a rules are probably <laughs> Um, I don't know. What do you think? I saw a thing about there was a couple of armed militiamen in Michigan who were standing outside a barbershop that was opened illegally, and they were protecting the the barbershop from any 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 police that were trying to to get in. Do you think it's going to cause like some major conflicts like that? I think I think one of the things you said, Mr. Gowan, was illegally, and I think this, you know, it was, is it illegal because the gov- governor says it's, you can't do it? Or is it illegal yeah. because, it's not you know, illegal, the governor Mr. Gowan, you're using the term because it's an order by the governor. It's not passed by their state legislature. What, what term would and you say And they're allowed that? to open, Unauth- and they are allowed to open carry in Michigan. It was an unauthorized opening. Is that a better term? Well, it depends how you want to look at the Constitution. Does the governor have the authority to place orders on people and take your right to let your your life or property away, um, which are natural rights, which our kids learn you can't take away? Governors, government's supposed to protect them, um, or is you know like are we to comply to the authoritarian rule of a governor? So it's like these are these things that are coming in place. Like if these are going to be long-term things, they need to be passed by the legislature, which are the people elect, and they need to make them into law. Mm. Yeah, didn't those, didn't, uh, didn't those guys like John Hancock, didn't they call those guys like tyrants? They when did. The governor of and, Massachusetts used to say things, and mm-hmm. they said, you were, you're a tyrant. Yes, they did, Mr. Um, Jaffe. It's exactly what they did. There would be no United States or a revolution if it wasn't for people saying that your orders aren't part of our government. These, we have no representation of parliament. We didn't agree to these. These aren't laws. These are just orders you're putting forth on, a, on the people of Boston and in the colonies. And they were like, it's not, you know, like you're, you're 
they're not right. You didn't get the consent of the governed. And so, like, that was partially why they rebelled. Last question. Last question for today. Michelle wants to know, um, when we go back to school, are we going to see each other? When we go back to school, are we going to see each other as a threat? Oh, that's a good question. I think so. Go ahead, Mara. I don't know. I find that, like, when I'm walking down the street, I don't like if I see somebody else and I have my mask like around my chin, like for example, if I'm just walking, I'll take my mask off my mouth and then I'll have it ready to put on my face. And if I see somebody else, I'm usually putting my mask more on to like to make them comfortable. Cause I'm like, Oh, I yeah. worry that they're going to worry that I'm a threat. Whereas they're probably yeah. thinking, Oh, they don't want to get infected by me. So there's this whole mentality of like people just being afraid of one another and, or worrying that people are afraid of them. Um, so, and I could only imagine with kids, especially little kids, and they are just going to be, I think, yeah, it's going to be a really big problem of like, don't get too close to me. Don't touch me because it's like a real threat. It's not even like a pretend thing. I kind of disagree with the little kids though. I think the little kids will kind of just go back to normal much more quickly. No, I watched the way like my own so. kids, my own stu- my own children interact with like the pe- the little kids around the corner. They're they're you know they're not like getting all up each other, but they're you know they're it's more normal. We'll see. I, I, and I well, don't know. Good. We'll see. That's a good thing. I think adults. I think adults will be different from kids. I think kids don't understand the ramifications of a lot of this, and so I think maybe for that part. Um, what else? Anyone have any comments on seeing uh, seeing each other as a threat when we go back? I think I what think Michelle was about is the students. Yeah, I think that it just depends on how you've been taught about this. I've seen kids walk by me and they're scared of me. Um, they're on the other side of the street. That you know, you're 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 30 feet apart from each other, and you're walking by, and I don't have my mask on. Um, I don't wear one out out when I'm walking and I'm like they they look at you like you're um a scary person and their parents are trained them not to go near people and I think that and then there are other parents that are like very nonchalant and they're like yeah go out and play with your friends I really don't care you know like just be careful wash your hands and go about teaching you you know the safety and precautions of not trying to get sick so I think it's just going to depend on on the behavior that was taught to the child, if they're going to look at others as, as scary threats or not. Yeah. I think eventually I'm hoping that teenagers, most teenagers don't have that same. I think it's going to be, we'll see more little kids. No, we were going out for a walk yesterday. There was a, there was about seven teenagers who were all like, they were all uh, maybe seven or even eight of them were all like on the, this little bridge in the way back behind the cemetery. Like they were hiding, but they were all just like chilling together. And, you know, you can tell that they're just like teenagers and they're just trying to go someplace where they're not going to be like broken up by like the cops or whatever. See people. So I think teenagers and I don't know, hopefully kids won't see each other as, as threats. I don't think threat would be the right word, but just, you know, like you said, Mr. Levitt, just, you know, wash your hands, take, you know, proper cautions and just don't be stupid. But yeah. I don't think we need to see each other as threats at the same time. All right, good. Uh, a couple questions we didn't hey guys, get to. I'm, I'm, I'm going to actually run. I wanted to uh, yep. drop one thing in before I go. Tomorrow, I don't know if you guys have heard, uh, uh, Barack Obama is giving the uh, high school and college commencement speech. It's on multiple forums. It'll be all over the place. It's tomorrow night. He gives a really good speech. 
I think he'll put things in perspective, and it might be really good for our kids to watch it. It's going to be everywhere. I think it's on Facebook. It's on TikTok. It'll be on uh, the network. So if you have a minute, um, I think LeBron James is also in on it, and it'll be Obama and James just giving a commencement address for kids who unfortunately couldn't sit and listen to a a live one. So it might be uh, cool to listen to what he says. I'll see you guys in Kahoot. Thank you. Thanks, Mr. Jaffe. I'll send you some some Kahoot questions. Yeah, okay. Um, Thanks, guys. I'll see you later. I do have one one dad joke for today before we go. So, hey, Mama Lovett, since hockey has been canceled, no one has seen her. But I'm sure he'll reset. Since hockey's been canceled, no one has Zamboni drivers. But I'm sure they'll resurface eventually. <laughs> Get it? Zamboni resurfacing the ice. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. <laughs> All right, so that's going to be it for us on the Mama Love It show. We have a, we're going to do a Kahoot today at two o'clock. Remember, your assignments are all due today, except for your journals, which are which I'll take until tomorrow. Um, your journal question today is what's not being taught in school that should be? Love it. Any final words? Um, yeah, just um, complete your assignments this week. There wasn't a whole lot to do for um, civics. You know, I, I had just one small article, which I think is pretty easy. The answers are in the article. If you don't, you're not sure, make sure you guys go back and reread the article and look for the answer and try to figure out what the answer is, especially on those inferencing. Um, and go through the Google Slides. I'm actually teaching when I post those Google Slides. I'm teaching the subject that you're supposed to be learning, just like I would in school. So go through them. I explain everything out. You don't just have to read. All right. Sounds good. Ms. Mara, any final words for the week? Um, nope. Just keep – I'd like to see more kids on the Zooms, but I've been talking to a couple of kids that I haven't heard from. So if you're listening – uh, make sure you join up with us on the Zoom for next week so we can read our book together. Yep, come on the Zooms next week. Come on Kahoot today. Encourage your classmates to do work. You know, don't sit and tell them that it's okay to just sit at home and do nothing. You tell them that they're, they're really hurting themselves by not doing anything. Um, we're going to close it out with a song. It is Friday, so Miss Miss Mara suggested a song from The Weeknd. And for everyone else <laughs> on the Mama Love It show, it's Mr. McGowan saying, do something good today and don't get caught. And we'll talk to everybody on Monday morning. Mm-hmm.